Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, and presented by Progressive Insurance, and all guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. My name is Field Yates, joined by Harry Douglas. Spent 10 years playing football in the NFL, and now he spends his Sundays and occasionally his Wednesdays and Thursdays talking with me on the radio. Harry, we lost a legend last night in the world of football. As John Madden, 85 years old, whose life was as chock full of football as perhaps anybody that you will ever recall, passed away. The NFL announced this. It happened unexpectedly. No immediate cause of death has been provided. When you think John Madden, what's the first thought that comes to mind for you? Broadcaster. Um, Because as a young kid watching all the football games, that's who I heard, right? His voice being so distinctive. Um, and him breaking things down for everyone to understand, right? If you know about football, if you understood football or not, he made it to where you did if you didn't. So John Madden, man, is is is, is football. He is great, uh, always will be great. His legacy, the impact that he's left so many people uh, will be stronger than ever. And, and there will never be another John Madden. I think it's safe for me to say that. There would never be another John Madden. But then again, you look at the coaching side of things. It was remarkable and great as a coach. And to be able to be amazing and great in the coaching ranks and then move over to broadcasting and be great there and be a pioneer, be a trendsetter, be a trailblazer with so many different things, he's on iconic level. He's on an iconic level. He's an icon. In my eyes. It's kind of crazy to think that if you divided John Madden's career up into three separate chapters and then just imagine that each one of them was occupied by a different person, that John Madden might be a Hall of Famer three times over. As we mentioned earlier on in the show, not only is he a Super Bowl winning head coach, but he has the best winning percentage, 759, of any coach in NFL history with at least 100 games coached. Peter King joined us earlier, the great Peter King from NBC Sports, who noted that in 10 years, 10 years, John Madden lost 32 games. 32 in 10 seasons. Now, it's a little bit of a shorter season back in the day, but 32 out of, I believe, 146 career games. All those wins, by the way, all those seasons, by the way, came with the Oakland Raiders at the time as the head coach. He did lead them to a Super Bowl, and there's a case that he's a Super Bowl, excuse me, that he's a Hall of Fame head coach. Maybe he needed a little bit more, but still, there's a case. Then you're just fast-forward things, Harry, and he's just a broadcaster. And I can't tell you how many memories I have of John Madden calling games and doing so in a way that was so unique and so different and so special. There's nobody that stands to the same level, that is up at the same level as John Madden, and I think about all the great things he did as a broadcaster, Harry. And there are so many of them. The turducken and the breaking down of the turducken and all the funny moments he had with Pat Summerall especially. One thing I loved about John Madden, and I think is really hard to find, is that John Madden brought you into the moment with the human element, not just the expert element. And I'll, I'll reference one specific game that I think really illuminated this. The Patriots and the Rams played in Super Bowl 36, and many obviously remember that was the first Super Bowl that the Patriots had ever won, and of course the first of now at least seven that Tom Brady has won. The Patriots got the ball back, 
and they were tied with the St. Louis Rams, who were two touchdown favorites in that game. They had 81 seconds left. And Tom Brady, this was not Tom Brady. This was 22-year-old or 23-year-old, still relatively unknown Tom Brady. And John Madden said, you know, and I think probably just take a few knees, go into overtime, and let it happen from there. And you know what, Harry? I think a lot of people probably agree with John. And the Patriots obviously decided not to do that. They started to go for points, and they eventually did win that game on a last-second field goal. And you could see that John simultaneously was delivering his analysis, but also was in amazement of what was happening. And that's the part they'll never forget. He was still a human after all. Yes, he was an expert, but he was a human. He made the game an experience that all of us could live through together. And that's what it's all about, though, Phil, right? He he was never... Um, too good for anything, right? He he kept the human element into everything, and I think that's one of the reasons why he was so iconic and so, well, still is iconic and, and so great on so many levels and so many different things that he endured in is because he kept the humane element into it all, right? He, he, he you felt like he was one of, he, he, you basically felt like he was you, Right. And he, he, he was your friend that you were talking to or he was talking to you and he just simplified things um, when he was breaking things down. But being able to see Tom Brady as a young phenom, well, not even a young phenom then, as a as a young pup, I should say, go down and, and put that team in field position for them to win the game. And he, like you just mentioned, him like being awe and be wild about it, it says a lot about him as a person as well. Yeah, he was incredible. And not just as a broadcaster. Not just as a coach, but also as a video game legend. And it's amazing to think how the Madden franchise has become something that transcends sports. Harry, there are people now that have Twitch or YouTube channels that all they do is they play Madden competitively and they make a ridiculous amount of money, an incredible amount of money, right? And, like, first of all, like, what an amazing world. That's awesome that people can do that, right? They do this like the Madden franchise has literally turned into high-paying professions for people. It's become a hobby that so many people enjoy. Every single year, not only do we talk about the new release, we talk about ratings. Like Madden ratings are a huge topic. You mentioned this earlier. Like in a locker room, guys care about those things. That's one of the first things like guys used to look at when the new Madden game would come out. Man, what's my Madden rating? And then you used to laugh at people. Oh, your your rating stinks. Or the people that had great ratings that let them, trust me, that let everybody know what their ratings were. Um, but those those are some of the things that like in a locker room that people would look for when it came to John Madden in, in, in the video games. And we know a lot of people play video games. You'd be surprised about how many people plays video games in this world field. I mean, everybody does, right? I mean, locker rooms talk about it all the time. So he had an incredible career, not just there, but also. I mean, all three of those chapters, you can make the case. You really could make the case that all three of those are Hall of Fame careers in and of themselves. I believe we have a caller, Preacher Walls. Does he want to talk about John Madden? Okay, we'll save it. Okay, he wants to get on the Cowboys. We'll table that for a second as we just kind of close the circle here on John Madden. Just an incredible, incredible life. Rest in peace to a man who obviously uh, made an incredibly profound impact on football world. The world way beyond football, someone who will be remembered remembered forever. We were talking about this earlier. Is there a way the NFL can further remember the legacy of John Madden, whether it's naming something after Madden? Maybe his legacy is already cemented and his uh, his status is forever cemented in that regard. 
We shall see. But John Madden, an incredible life that certainly is uh, never going to be forgotten. Hey, you can listen to the Man in the Arena podcast, a 10-part series exploring how sports impacts our everyday lives through the lens of Tom Brady's career. Brought to you by State Farm and available wherever you get your podcasts. Let's start with Dak Prescott, okay? Tonight, bro, was different. What was great about what we saw from Dak tonight was he just had total command, and he was accurate, he was comfortable in the pocket. Harry, the NFL is a week-to-week league. What I mean by that is one week we could think the Cowboys are in a slump, the next week we could think they are all the way back. So let me ask you this, Harry. The Cowboys win 56-14 to this past Sunday night. Everybody's saying they're back. Do you think the Cowboys are a team that legitimately can, can compete for a Super Bowl this year? And are they good enough? What is the real version of the Cowboys? The one we saw on Sunday or the one that we saw during that stretch where they were still winning, but they weren't playing great offense? I think the one we saw, we've seen on Sunday, and I think we've seen the offense uh, find its groove back, right? They were in a little slump. I don't care what Jerry Jones said. Uh, Dak was in a little slump. The offense was in a little slump, and I thought they picked it up. I thought they came out and hit on all cylinders. You've seen Amari Cooper had a nice game. You see Malik Turner have yeah. a nice game. Schultz, Lamb, uh, Gallup had a decent one. Uh, the run game wasn't that effective, but when uh, Pollard and Elliott got the ball, they made their presence be felt. Uh, Zeke was physical. A little bit of yards that he did have, he was physical in gaining those yards. But Dak Prescott, he was great in the pocket. He moved well. He was very, very fluent um, in doing so. And I think the, 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 the Cowboys, uh, they have a chance. They certainly do, and they are a team that I think is playing with a decent amount of confidence after Sunday night and have a real shot to finish the year 13-4. and So now it's time for us to get to our friend Preacher Walls, who joins us on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Preacher, what's on your mind today? Hey, good morning, fellas. Good morning. Uh, l- let me say RIP, rest in power, John Madden. And it's, 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 it's funny that we were talking you guys – you know, we're saying, did I have anything to say about John Madden? I did, and it's ironic because what I have to say about the Cowboys has everything to do with the history of John Madden, the football game, and honoring those who have paved the way for your organization. And the Cowboys are doing well, as they've always done in some, in some instances, through and out. But I want you guys to think about something. Are you guys with me? I'm, I'm with you, Preacher Wells. I'm here. Okay. Think, think about this. For 20 years, doing from 2000 to, to now, the Cowboys never beat the Patriots. They've never beaten Tom Brady. They never went to an NFC championship game. They've never beaten the great teams who were at the verge of winning Super Bowls. Seattle, Aaron Rodgers. The Colts, when it mattered. And the reason that has not happened is because the owner, he continues to disrespect Jimmy Johnson by not putting him in the ring of honor. And John Madden was a historian of the game. Mm. All the greats, historians of the game, you never forget about those people. The owner of the Raiders, he hired the first Latin X coach 
He hired the first black coach, Art Sell, Al Davis. Jerry Jones is still holding the Cowboys back by not giving honor to a person who put the Cowboys on the second tier of the map in the 90s. And you keep asking, are the Cowboys this team? Are they the Cowboys of the slump? The Cowboys are going to continue to be a figment of Jerry Jones' imagination until he does what's right. Preacher Walls, i got to ask you something, man. You seem to lack passion. Is this how you always are in life? I'm kidding, of course, being facetious there. I love it. That's great. I mean, that is, that's certainly a, an interesting take there. It's sort of like a karma is going to undo the Dallas Cowboys here. So that's an interesting thought there. I will say this. Uh, the, the optimist in me will note that, you know, the past is not a predictor always of the future, but perhaps some of the Cowboys' decisions have played a part in holding them back from reaching the ultimate mantle. For more perspective on the Cowboys, let's go to Antoine, a Dr. Pepper call-in line in Dallas. Hey, thanks for having me on. You guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Awesome. Yeah, I don't. I, I think that um, this year has been a great year for the Dallas Cowboys. I think that they've been able to execute a lot on both on all three levels of the ball. You know, uh, offense, defense, special teams, all of those good things. I think where the problem lies. Um, right now, currently, like with the slump going on, of course, Zach had his little injury with his calf and, and things along those lines. But I think that um, Kellen Moore was getting a little bit too, too, uh, too, too, too full of himself a little bit with his play calling, filling himself just a little bit too much, um, and all of the notoriety that he's getting on the Cowboys' success. So I think that kind of come back to earth, you know, feed the running backs a little bit more, and we'll be in good position when it pertains to like us not winning the Super Bowl and. And so long, um, I think Jerry Jones gets a little bit too much slack on that. I feel like people don't talk about the fact that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots completely have dominated every single team nearly um, that they face in the postseason. So even just getting back to the playoffs or even getting back into the Super Bowl during that span of time and getting over those great New England teams with that great coach and that great uh, quarterback, it still would have been a task. You know, so I just think that um, people throw a little bit too much on Jerry Jones. I think that where we are now, it's kind of great. We're we're moving in the right direction, and I think we got to keep rolling on that. I feel like if we can get to an NFC Championship game, that's a, a lot of people are talking Super Bowl, but I think an NFC Championship game um, would be ideal for us this year. Yeah, I do. I do feel like Kellen Moore when, when it comes to when it came to this offense, I, I thought he take the step uh, took a step back. Um, in this offense thriving down the stretch. Now, I do believe that they he, he can have more creative runs and have a lot of misdirection and moving parts to the run game as well. I think that, uh, that that's something that can be very effective for the Cowboys moving forward. And I think on the part about Jerry Jones of getting too much blame, I think Jerry Jones puts himself in that situation, though. It's not like anybody else puts Jerry Jones in that in, in that category, uh, in that situation. Jerry Jones is the owner. Jerry Jones does the GM stuff. Jerry Jones wants to talk to the media. Jerry Jones wants to go to the media and say he met with the head coach the night before. So he puts himself in those situations when it comes to all the the antics that that people talk about. Um, This team down the stretch field, they have two more games left, right? Two very important games in my eyes. Yes, I understand that they are already going to go to the playoffs, but this game against the Arizona Cardinals coming up this Sunday is very key. The game against the Philadelphia Eagles, the last game of the year, 
is very key because that could potentially be the game that actually knocked the Philadelphia Eagles out of the playoffs. And what has this, this I'll say this, this, this conference, this, this division the last few years have had? You have had games come down to the very end to see if a team or two would be making the playoffs. And that's another situation that you have this year. Um, you have Jalen Hurts over there, and their run game is starting to thrive. Nick Sirianni finally figured out that they need to start running the football. You have the Arizona Cardinals, who have been in a slump. They have been spiraling down. So they're going to try to come out and hit on all cylinders. So I want to see this offense for the Dallas Cowboys two games in a row, right, out of that little slump. Uh, they did it against the Washington football team. I want to see them against the Arizona Cardinals do the same thing. I want to see them hit on all cylinders on offense, defense, and special teams because if they do, they can go a long way and they will make a deep run in the playoffs. If they do not, then there's an opportunity that they could be going home early. But two important games to end the year against the Arizona Cardinals and Philadelphia Eagles. The NFC East. It's going to be a really fascinating finish in the NFC East. What did they get back to the Dr. Pepper call-in line? In Maryland, in Maryland, in Baltimore, Maryland, actually wanted to get circle back to John Madden and the profound impact and legacy he leaves behind. What do you got, Maryland? Hello, my name... Oh, excuse me. Go ahead. No, say, say good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. It's not really a good morning, but I know it is a good morning when you can get up in the morning. John Madden helped me understand football even more. I'm talking from a woman perspective. He made football so understandable that any anybody can grasp the concept of what he's talking about and, and develop my love for the game. You're absolutely right. He helped make – Marilyn, it felt to me, and thank you for the call – it felt to me like what John Madden did was he grew, grew the game. And I don't know if it was intentional or not by John, but it felt like he allowed people to feel more welcome and comfortable in the space talking about football than they had been prior to that, Harry. Everybody felt like they could have a little piece of the pie, so to speak, because John Madden made you understand exactly what was going on in a way that wasn't too complicated, but also in a way that made you feel like felt like you were educated enough to be a part of the conversation. Yeah, and that's the sound of a, of a great announcer, a guy who's uh, being a color analyst, doing his thing, and and trying to make sure the audience gets the best version of what's going on on a football field. And see, he he took things to another level, right? He would break things down, and you mentioned earlier, Phil, the production meetings, the yellow line draw that you see on the screens now during football game, that has John Madden written all over it. So when it comes to John Madden, he is a guy who will never, and I mean never, be forgotten. I want to see the Raiders give him a statue because I do believe he deserves it. He deserves it from a coaching standpoint. He deserves it from an announcing standpoint. Uh, and I just think a lot of people in the game today, when it comes to broadcasting, uh, are, 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 are searching to be what John Madden was. He certainly was one of a kind and somebody whose legacy will live on forever. We also want to mention that ESPN lost a valued and incredibly loved family member as well yesterday as Jeff Dickerson, who covered the Chicago Bears for us as part of our ESPN NFL Nation, succumbed to his battle with colon cancer at the age of 44. J.D. leaves behind the 11-year-old son, Parker, who he loved dearly. He loved nothing more than to be a part of Parker's athletic pursuits, who is a huge, huge sports fan, plays football and baseball, amongst other sports. Heartbreaking news, not just because of losing J.D., but Parker unfortunately lost his mother 
Jeff's wife, Caitlin, just two years ago in 2019 to her own battle with lymphoma. JD was somebody who, I don't think we can say this enough, during the most difficult and trying times of his life, being a father by himself for two and a half years and fighting this battle of colon cancer, somehow managed to keep a positive attitude and constantly reminded us that he was going to do his best to fight his way through it. In the face of adversity, he could have gone one of two ways. It would have been easy for him to feel bad for himself and not find the strength to continue to fight every single day. Instead, he did find that strength, and he shared that strength with his son, Parker, who has an incredibly difficult life ahead of him without his two parents, Harry, but he is lucky to have had his parents who have helped mold him, and I know he will become a great young man because of the way that his parents raised him. Yeah, J.D., man, he lived with uh, the, the word perspective, right? Um, a, a guy who was a father first, and that's what we got to understand in this as we send our condolences to his family and his and his son, right, is that he was a father first and nothing came before that. And that young man, Parker, is growing up without his mother and his father. So there's going to be some trying times, and he's going to need people to be there for him. So if you can, uh, is it a GoFundMe page, right, Field? There is a GoFundMe page Go, available. Go check out uh, there. Uh, go check out donate. my Twitter, right? Field Yates, if you can make a donation, no yep. amount too small or too large to help Parker. And we'll forever remember our colleague, Jeff Dickerson. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max continues next on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Cincinnati is fourth, the first group of five team to make the playoff, and they'll meet number one Alabama. In the other, it'll be second-ranked Michigan and number three Georgia. Sports Center is brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Try the $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk Wireless with nationwide 5G on America's best network. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. Time now for us to head out to the Dr. Pepper hotline as we are joined by one of the legends of college football and, of course, our great ESPN college football analyst, 
He's Desmond Howard. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. He's a proud Michigan man. Des, I'm going to ask you about the game and the specifics and all that in just a minute. But just from an emotional standpoint, the Michigan man in you, how are you feeling just two days away from Michigan's first appearance in the college football playoff? Well, I'm excited for the team. I'm excited for the uh, the coaches. I'm excited for the program. Um, you know, it's, it's it's just really good to see the football program where they are now. And as a as a football analyst, it's always good to get new blood into the college football playoff, right? You know, before we were talking about how hey, it's you know it's the same old suspects, the same usual suspects. You could pencil in Clemson, pencil in Oklahoma, pencil in Ohio State, and pencil in Alabama. Well. We only got one of the four um, now, and that's Alabama. We got three new teams. We got Georgia in now, and we got a group of five teams, Cincinnati, of course, Michigan. So, and because of everything that Coach Harbaugh has gone through, and, and a lot of those kids have gone through since they've been in Ann Arbor. I'm just so proud of them because it would have been easy for a lot of those guys to, to jump ship. I mean, listen, I mean, we, we're, we're watching kids jump into that transfer portal at an alarming rate. So a lot of these guys could have just jump shipped on, on Coach Harbaugh, and some guys did. But for those that stayed, you know, and, and hung in there, and now they're rewarded by, by going to the college football playoff, we're looking at a team that I think they were picked to finish fourth preseason in their division. And now they're ranked number two in the country. So you just have to be happy and proud for that staff. You know, you got a lot of new members on the coaching staff, obviously, and for those kids that stayed. OG, what's up, baby? What's popping, brother? What's happening? I'm doing good, <laughs> man. So when you talk about this Georgia-Michigan matchup, uh, what, what, what's, what's key in this game that you're looking for between these two teams? I think you got to start in the trenches. You know, going to the SEC championship, game day was there. We were in Atlanta, and all the talk all season long has been about Georgia's defense. And, and more, more importantly, about their front seven, like the dominance of their front seven. And so coming to the SEC championship game against Alabama, we thought that they would pretty much dominate the line of scrimmage because Alabama struggled in the Iron Bowl against Auburn. Now, they eventually won that game four overtimes later, but they struggled up front, especially in, uh, in regulation. So with that being said, we thought that, you know, hey, Georgia's the best defense in the country. Their front seven are all dogs. They're all, you know, beasts. But Alabama was uh, able to, to to hold them at bay. Uh, Bill O'Brien did a fantastic job scheming against Georgia's defense. So, but it starts the trenches. Now you're going to get a, a Michigan team whose offensive line, as a unit, they won the Joe Moore Award as the best offensive line in the country. And now it's going to be a big test for them. And like I say, you're looking at Georgia team, man. Going to that game, don't forget. You know they were such a dominant defense. Everyone thought, how's Alabama going to score? Alabama scored in five scored on five consecutive drives mm. against Georgia's defense. Five consecutive drives. We're talking about touchdown, 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 field goal, touchdown. So with that bad taste in their mouth, after what happened in, you know, their second home uh, down in Alabama, just down the road from Athens, you know they're going to come out with something to prove come um, New Year's Eve against 
against Michigan's uh, offensive line, that defense is going to be really hungry, especially that front seven. So to watch the matchup in the trenches. Uh, Desmond, there are some who wish that Georgia would perhaps consider a quarterback switch. Meanwhile, Michigan has pretty effectively utilized two quarterbacks this year, obviously Cade McNamara being their starter and primary player. How do you expect them to use their two quarterbacks against that Georgia defense you were just talking about, that for basically every moment except for the Alabama game was as dominant as we've seen in a long time? Yeah, I tell you what, the thing about Michigan and, you know, you guys, you guys are you, you students of the game, so you guys understand, like people try to um, talk about Michigan's offense as just, you don't want to line up and punch you in the mouth and ground and pound. But, you know, that's a part of who they are, but it's not who they are. I mean, Josh Gaddis didn't win the Broyles Award for the top assistant coach in college football because he's going to line up and run it at you. They're so multiple, and that's an added dimension. Bringing in J.J. McCarthy, who's a dual-threat quarterback, you see he's a very good runner with the ball in his hands, but he also has elite arm talent. And so you have to like really be on your P's and Q's when he comes in the, in, into the game. So they're so multiple where they can, they can throw three running backs at you at any time. They have two outstanding tight ends. And then they just got like, you know, three or four wide receivers that, you know, no guy, no one person is the superstar. Like, you don't know, okay, I can't just double up Jamison Williams. You know what I mean? You, you don't have that guy on the, on the, as a receiver. So I think they're going to use J.J. McCarthy the same way we, we've seen them use him, um, you know, throughout the season. i got to give Josh Gattis a lot of credit for I mean, this, this guy's a true freshman, but he never hesitates to put him in in big moments of big games. It's not like he comes in and starts doing mop-up duty. Like, he comes in when, you know, the game is right. still up in the air because they have packages for him and they have um, ways they want to scheme a defense and the way they're going to use him. So I, I expect Josh Gaddis and that offensive staff to continue to use J.J. McCarthy the same way they've been using him, you know, throughout the season. It was very impressive if you guys watched the uh, Big Ten Championship game when uh, Blake Corum broke off of his long touchdown in the first quarter and J.J. McCarthy was, like, leading the way. Like, it was crazy to see J.J. So it shows you what type of speed he has, but also what type of player he is, too. Dez, I want to touch on something that you brought up, the wide receiver position, because when I talk to a lot of people who don't actually watch the film uh, as closely as, 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 as we do, they say, well, Michigan don't have one guy that overwhelms you at the wide receiver position. In my eyes, I think Michigan does a great job of spreading the wealth. They can easily have a guy, too, but they spread the wealth to the point to where you can't key on a guy. And if they're spreading the wealth without a Ronnie Bell. They lost their best receiver. But you see Johnson. You see Wilson. Uh, Sarah still. Then you see Anthony, the young buck. They, they, A.J. Henning, he gets his opportunity at times. They have uh, numerous of guys who can get it done at the wide receiver position all yeah, kind of different yeah. type of ways, and I think that's important, right. especially in the game that's coming up this week. No, you're 100% right. And, I'm Harry, I'm so glad you mentioned because as you were talking about that, the name that popped into my head was Ronnie Bell. And I don't think that Josh Gaddis and the offensive staff, that they get enough credit for finding ways to go out there and win games without their top offensive player. Like Ronnie Bell went out early in the season, First and game. without a shadow of a doubt – this was definitely their most like dynamic, explosive player on offense, you know. And for them to still find ways to make all those other receivers productive, put them in positions so they can be successful, shows you a lot. It's like you know, it's like one of these teams 
losing. Let's just imagine if Alabama would have lost um, John Mechie in the first or second game of the season, or Jamison Williams, one of those two. You know what I mean? So it puts a lot of pressure on you as an offensive coordinator, but I think they figured it out. And like you said, they spread it. They spread the wealth now because you have so many different wideouts. And defensively, you don't know who to key on because they're all so versatile and they can do so much. So, no, you hit the, hit the nail on the head with that one. They, and, and, and these guys are fast, too. they got some fast dudes out there, so it's going to be interesting. It's always a great day when you can talk college football with a college football legend. He's ESPN college football analyst Desmond Howard. We so appreciate you making time for us here this morning. Des, enjoy what should be a great Friday of college football. Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me, guys. Keep up the great work, too. Appreciate that very much. And that was Desmond Howard on the Goodyear Hotline. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max is presented by Progressive Insurance. ESPN Radio has you covered for bowl game action. Tune in today for the New Era Pinstripe Bowl followed by the Cheez-It Bowl and the Valero Alamo Bowl. Coverage begins at 2 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's a question. Who does Harry think can save the Jaguars franchise and perhaps Trevor Lawrence's young career? For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. Just want to let that this song just play for a minute. Great jam right there. Great jam. As we say hello once again on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers. My name is Phil DH. Joined, as I have been all morning, by the dancing Harry Douglas, 10-year NFL wide receiver who's doing his best Victor Cruz right now. I can see him. You can't. We're listening to you. Or you're just listening to us on radio. But Harry, having a blast this morning. Harry, you know who's not having as much of a blast these days as you? Who? Jaguars fans. <laughs> Jaguars fans not having so much fun right now, Harry. And here's Let the reason why. Let them have it, why. Phil. Yeah, once again, the Jaguars fans are looking for a new head coach. And recently, Jaguars fans have been taken to Twitter, and they have been using a clown emoji as their avatar. They're trying to put some public pressure on owner Shad Khan to get this head coaching hire right and also to express their frustration with the fact that Trent Baalke has been retained as the general manager. We'll see if that changes at some point down the line, but for now, Baalke is still the GM. So let me ask you this, Harry. Let's zoom out for a second here. The Jaguars have Trevor Lawrence, which a year ago, the feeling about drafting Trevor Lawrence meant that your franchise was changed forever. 
How successful can this franchise be? How soon? And who is the person to guide them in their next chapter? Because it feels like every year, maybe every two years, we're having the same old conversation. Um, I think this franchise can be very, very successful um, because of the simple fact that we know in order for franchises to be successful outside of the Baltimore Ravens because they won a Super Bowl uh, with a quarterback not, not having to do much. Um, but in order to be successful as an organization, have opportunity to play for a Super Bowl, we all know the number one position that has to be right. That's the quarterback position. So the Jacksonville Jaguars have that in Trevor Lawrence. They drafted him number one um, in this year's draft. And he hasn't had the best of seasons, but he's had a ton of distractions. Uh, his own head coach, that that would be Urban Meyer at the time, no longer with the team, um, there to kind of distract things and not allow him to grow as a player. Uh, also don't believe that uh, offensively they did things to, to, t- to, to Trevor's strengths, mm. I should say. Um, especially early on, especially when we've seen them in preseason and early on in, 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 in the football season. But when you think about a head coach and hiring a guy, especially with the organization that right now you would view as toxic, so, and I'm just calling a spade a spade, right now the Jacksonville Jaguars, is, they're viewed as being a toxic organization. Because they are. So you have to have a guy who is a leader. Leader feel is very, very important on so many different levels. A guy who is honest, a guy who's going to be honest with himself, a guy who's going to be honest with his players, uh, a guy that players trust. Trust is huge because if players can't trust you in the locker room, trust me, you're fighting an uphill battle, and you're, it's going to be hard for you to be able to get things done. We've seen that in Jacksonville with the last head coach they had. Guys did not trust them, uh, trust them with their life, with their soul, with anything, with, with, their, with their kids binky or something they, they didn't trust him whatsoever so when you look at all those intangibles can a guy um do all those things and not only that is this guy going to be smart enough to lead this team x's and o's strategy anything football wise when it comes to on field is he going to utilize the players that he has and exploit their strengths and never their weaknesses that's what great coaching does um I think this this organization. I, th- I thought they needed a an entire makeover, um, and 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 Balky. When you talk about him, right? Let's talk about his history for a little bit. You think about the Forty ers when he hired Jim Harbaugh, right? They go thirteen and three in the first season. They lose in the NFC Championship game to the Giants. Second season, Jim Harbaugh is there. They go twelve four and one. They make the uh, NFC Championship game. Uh, they beat Atlanta in the NFC Championship game. Then they go to the Super Bowl before losing to his brother, John Harbaugh. Year three, they go 12-4. and four. They lose to the Seattle Seahawks uh, in the NFC Championship game. Not to mention, two of the teams that they lost to in the championship games, Phil, mm-hmm. went on to win the Super Bowl that year. 2014, a year rough year for, for the 49ers. They go 500, going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, But Balky and, and Jim Harbaugh don't see eye to eye. And for some reason, he ends up not being the head coach there anymore. So he hires um, Tom Sula. I believe it was Tom Sula, right? Yep. Yeah, he hired Tom Sula. He goes, I believe, 5-11. and 11. Gets fired. Gets let go. Then he hires Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly goes 2-14. and 14. And I think both of those guys were let go of their duties after that year. That organization, before 2019, had a spell where they – weren't hitting on anything 
because of that setback. And my thing is, is that if you have a head coach in Jim Harbaugh who was that successful in his first three years and then he has that one year, I, how can you not make that work, right? Because that's the first red flag to me. How can you not make that work? And then the two guys you hired after that, both of them got fired after one year. Now he's in Jacksonville, gets a GM job, and Urban Meyer is the head coach. You have all this nonsense going on. So basically what I'm saying, I'm kind of questioning the, the leadership part of it, right? Um, because you can't talk about Urban without talking about him in my eyes because they're connected together. And I want to see if 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 Mr. Khan, is he, is he just there for right now or do they – if another guy becomes available or are they eyeing another general manager? Because uh, I, I just don't understand how that's going to work out, especially if you get a head coach in there that uh, frankly doesn't want him to be the GM. What are you going to do then? That's that's the most qualified candidate. And candidates I have right now, Jim Caldwell, right? Mm-hmm. Byron Leftwich. Um, I like the fact that Dan Quinn was a, was a, was a candidate because I thought Dan – I love – uh, the way he motivates. I love the way he gets players to put their all out there on the football field. Um, but I do believe that Dan is doing a great job right now uh, with, the, with the Cowboys. And then I like a guy like Joe Witt Jr. Who's had, who haven't ha- had an opportunity to be a head coach, who's been a hell of a coach in this league for so long. But when it all boils down at the end of the day, I think the guy who should get the job should be an offensive guy because of Trevor Lawrence. He's the He's the most important piece to this organization moving forward. So you have to get him the right guy and the right guys around him coaching so he can thrive and be great for the organization. Because if he's great, then you have an opportunity to make a playoffs. And then you're talking anything can happen from that point. I got to tell you one thing. I know that there are significant coaching hires around the NFL every year. And I know that every coaching hire the Jaguars have made has been significant, right? You only get to do this so many times. But Harry Douglas, I make the case that this is the most significant coaching hire in the history of the Jacksonville Jaguars for this reason. Trevor Lawrence has prodigious ability. He is a guy that can change the course of your franchise forever if coached up correctly and if he has the right pieces around him. But no player is good enough in the NFL to just win without the right people around him. None of them. It's just not the way the football works as a sport. Correct. The Jaguars need to get it right because it's not just their short-term future, but it's potentially their long-term future as well. I'm a big believer in Trevor Lawrence. I think a lot of us still are. There's no reason yeah. not to be. But you got to make sure that you nail this hire one time and one time only because if you do, we could be talking about you as a real factor in the AFC South going forward. Harry Douglas, my friend, it has been an honor to have the opportunity to speak football and so much more with you over the past four hours. Do we do it again tomorrow? Yes, sir. Why not? Keyshawn J. Will, Max on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. For Harry Douglas, Thanks for listening to Keyshawn J. Will and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.